All right, time for us to check in with Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun. And this morning, we are going to start by talking about the financial situation here in BC. Good morning, Vaughn. Yeah, good morning, Simi. You know, uh, most uh, years, if I told you that uh, the British Columbia province government finances ended the financial year with a $5.5 billion deficit, it would be, yee, this looks bad. Yes. <laughs> but... You know, the expectations game could have been worse, right? They, yeah. It, it's actually better than they projected. So this is the financial statements for the financial year that began April 1st, 2020, in the middle of the first wave of the pandemic and went all through the second wave. And they closed the books on the 31st of March this year in the middle of the third wave. Financial statements have now been audited by the Auditor General, and we got the books yesterday. And yeah, $5.5 billion deficit, lower than projected, and um, $13.5 billion added to the provincial debt, because it also includes all the borrowing for construction projects. So um, a couple of things that do jump out from it that are a little more positive than those numbers One is that the economy did better than expected as well. And, Simi, I think that is vindication for um, the decisions here in B.C. not to go to full lockdown. Um, A lot of businesses did have to shut down and reduce operations, but a lot stayed open. And as a result... Um, we had uh, more economic activity, and of course that generates more revenue for government. It also, you know, sales taxes and everything. So that that's encouraging. A couple of other things that I think one should mention, you can say they're positive or negative. Um, ICBC is back in the black. I couldn't believe that. When I, when I read it, I thought, what? <laughs> a billion and a half dollars, too, right? Like this the old dumpster fire, not only is the dumpster fire out, but one could say, hey, they're overcharging for insurance again. They're making so much money. This is what, you know, under the liberals, they used to say, oh, you know, they're turning ICBC into a cash cow. So, um, but look, it, it's good news. And it, it, again, in terms of vindication, David Eby went through a lot of controversy and a fair amount of legal action in the courts to get this new quasi no fault system in but it looks like it's paid off in a much better bottom line for icbc you know vaughn i was thinking too like there were lots of concerns about that right happening but i think what's changed in the last couple of months is i think a lot of people probably got their renewal notices and saw the difference yeah and uh, there wasn't as much driving either right i mean for for part of the time that's true so we were safer because we weren't spending as much time in our cars uh raging at the traffic around us because there wasn't as much traffic so all that um another one this one's a little irony uh big windfall again from the old property transfer tax so every time a piece of property right. or a house uh, changes hands in bc the government gets a piece of the action that tax has been around since thank you bill vanderzam it's a cash cow for government in opposition, the New Democrats used to say, oh, you know, the government's just getting rich off property sales, right? Well, this government is getting rich off it too. Half a billion dollars more from the property transfer tax than they budgeted for. Of course, that also translates into a fairly hot, still housing market and higher housing prices. So it stands in the way of housing affordability. But, you know, still, that's another reason that the government did well. And lastly, Simi, we have to say thank you to Mama Ottawa, 
<laughs> and why? <laughs> but almost $3 billion in federal transfers to B.C. for all of the COVID-19 job protection payments for this, that, and the other thing. It's a lot of money came B.C.'s way. Uh, I thought one of the best questions yesterday at the briefing by Finance Minister, uh, asked by uh, my colleague at the Vancouver Sun, Lisa Cordasco, she said, well, what happens to B.C.'s finances when the federal money runs out? Because... You know, not to be too cynical, as soon as that federal election is over, <laughs> we're going to find out if Justin yeah. Trudeau wins the election, um, exactly what his long-term financial plans are. And I don't think the checks will keep coming from Ottawa forever. So that one is is hanging out there as a question mark. Um, but, you know, again, uh, British, and they emphasized this yesterday, Simi, relatively, British Columbia is still doing better than the other Canadian provinces. We still have the best credit rating among Canadian provinces. I'm tied with Saskatchewan, uh, but a really good credit rating. And, and all that is is international agencies comparing all Canadian provinces and saying, well, British Columbia is in a better position than the others. It's better able to service its debts. Its debts are smaller relatively. It's paying less of its revenues in interest payments, only three and a half cents on every dollar of tax dollars. So all of that adds up to um, pretty much the situation we've been talking about in BC for over this government and over the previous government. Comparatively, we're in a better position. Comparatively, we're going to be able to dig ourselves out of this debt and deficit hole faster than other provinces. And I think that's uh, something that the government can take a bit of credit for. And it's also good news for all of us looking down the road. It is. I mean, I was looking at some of the other deficit projections for other provinces. Ontario was $33 billion this year. Uh, Alberta's $18 billion this year. So that's a big difference when you're talking about five. Yeah, it is. uh, You know, in the time I've been doing uh, provincial finances and looking at it, Saskatchewan has improved a lot. Its debt used to be down in junk bond territory until the Roy Romano government started dealing with that in the 90s. And Quebec is doing much better financially. So provinces can improve their position uh, with discipline and all of that and, you know, growth and all that. So, as I say, uh, you look at the B.C. situation um, yeah, it could be worse, and yeah, looking down the road, uh, it's going to be a little easier to get out of the problem we do here. Um, and, and Simi, speaking of, of Ottawa... Mm-hmm. Let's talk about this. <laughs> so yesterday, you know, my colleague Rob Shaw at, at Czech TV refers to Justin Trudeau as the Czech with legs. <laughs> so he... <laughs> He's off in Newfoundland uh, in this non-pre-election tour, and the federal government has weighed in with billions of dollars to bail out that troubled Muskrat Falls project, hydro project in Newfoundland. Uh, billions of dollars, and I, I sort of looked at that and I thought, you know, hey, we got one of those. <laughs> we have yes. a controversial hydro project that's way over uh, um, budget and far from being completed. And I thought, geez, you know, John Horgan's on really good terms with Justin Trudeau. They're running this kind of bromance out here. Uh, 
why don't you give them up a call and say, hey, um, we have one of those out here. You want to come and take a look at it? I'll even give you a tour uh, and do, do an event with you there. So I know, I know, that's just cynical, but anyway. I know, but you know, there's a long history of that in Newfoundland and Labrador, right? Of the federal government. Heck, that's why they joined Confederation in 1949 is because the government, Canadian government agreed to bail them out. Well, yeah, although, you know, we just had uh, our anniversary of joining Canada here in British Columbia, and that's what Ottawa did for us, too. They absorbed the provincial debt, and they agreed to build a railway across the country that almost bankrupted Canada. So maybe that's just the fine print on Canada in general, which is provinces uh, look for a helping hand from Ottawa. And there you go. Um, Pandemic thing, by the way, just noticing, uh, a good piece on the front page of the Global Mail today, actually, which I'll plug, um, Alberta and British Columbia appear to be headed in the opposite direction. Uh, Alberta is uh, basically removing all of its restrictions, and British Columbia is still kind of, oh, hang on there. Uh, We are going to have to maintain some... uh, fairly severe conditions in the central Okanagan. Uh, those were announced yesterday, and I just, I assume the question will come up at the next briefing, which is, um, should British Columbia be thinking of some restrictions on going back and forth from Alberta? Yeah, I know. That's such a, when I saw that story from Alberta yesterday, I couldn't quite believe what I was reading, that they're not even going to make people who have COVID isolate. Yeah. Like, that's, I don't get that. Yeah. No, I, I mean, and you, I know you just had Daryl Bricker on and he was talking about the same yeah. thing, which is attitudes are different right across the country about the pandemic and about getting out of it and about vaccines and restrictions. And uh, that's one of the reasons it's a difficult country to govern is because Canadians tend to see so things different. very differently yeah. on a regional basis. It's hard to put together a national consensus on anything, and I think you're seeing it neighboring provinces, Alberta and British Columbia, but a night and day difference right now on how to come out of the pandemic. Very true. Vaughn, thank you. Bye-bye, Cindy.